welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. bit of a lighthearted moment, at least for me, uh, in some of our uh, law enforcement uh, people here that attend church. I, I believe all of those statements, maybe the last one about the lawyer being a missionary. I, I'm sorry, from the standpoint of law enforcement, I, you know, I, I, I don't know about that one, you know, may, maybe. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I'll, but I'm just joking. Uh, so if we have any lawyers here, please don't be offended. Uh, but uh, anyway, if you've been a law enforcement officer long enough, you know why I said that, <laughs> right? Uh, anyhow, we're doing this series that we've entitled Decide Yes, uh, Preparing for a Mission. Part of the reason is uh, we're planning to go somewhere. As you can kind of tell from the stage set, uh, we have some of us from the church who are leaving on the 18th through the 28th to be gone on a, uh, on a mission trip to, uh, to Guatemala. Uh, but the series is not just about that because I want us to recognize or at least be reminded that as Christians, we need to be on mission for God wherever we are each and every day of our lives. We need to be looking for opportunities to be on mission for Him. Uh, in Psalm 46, verse 10, you can uh, find somewhat about the heartbeat of God, uh, I think. Uh, we did a whole series a few months ago on Psalm 46. But verse 10 and part of it kind of got repeated, I think, in the PowerPoint. But it says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted uh, in the earth. And, and as we read that, I think that lets us know some of God's heartbeat, some of what his desire is. <clears throat> he wants to be exalted. He wants to be glorified uh, among the nations. In other words, among all people, uh, all people groups, including here in, in America and abroad, wherever God wants to be glorified. Uh, and, and that's why... In this series, I want us to focus upon upon how you and I need to be on mission for Him wherever we are. The the terminology that we use sometimes, such as missions and missionary, I, I think we allow that terminology to scare us off a little bit. Because sometimes if, if you start thinking about missions and missionary, uh, you get in your mind that that means you're going to have to leave uh, and go to deepest, darkest Africa, or, or maybe to some uh, Islamic uh, country, uh, country where there's radical Islam, and, and your life might be very much in danger. Uh, and, and you get those images in, in your mind. You know, you have to leave your, your, your home and go live in a hut or something like that. And, and that maybe makes you recoil a little bit uh, from being involved in missions. When really what we need to do is reprogram the way that we think. And instead of us imagining that missions and being a missionary is only in the context of what I just talked about. We need to consider ourselves on mission for God, on mission for Christ, wherever we are at. Uh, we need to view ourselves as everyday missionaries. We, we ought to think, and, and no, not even really just think, but it, it, we ought to recognize it's normal for us to expect God to use our lives. He wants to use our lives as leverage for his glory. He wants to use our lives wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whatever context we find ourselves in, to where we can be missionaries for him. Uh, and that's what we just need to change the way we think about this term of, uh, of missionaries. So um, 
a lot of times you'll get in your mind that well, to be a missionary, that means I, I kind of have to be set apart. Uh, that means that I have to go to seminary. Uh, that means on the other side of seminary, I have to be approved by a mission board before I can ever go out and be on mission. And while in the context of being a full-time missionary, those things are very true, in the context of you and I being the followers of Christ, that's not necessarily true. All of us need to consider ourselves on mission wherever we find ourselves. Uh, so you and I need to be practicing missionaries. And our question today is to ask why. Why should you and I consider ourselves as being, being missionaries? Why every Christian should be preparing for a mission. Here's the first reason why. Uh, we need to decide, yes, uh, to be on mission because every Christian is called to be a missionary. Not just certain people, but every Christian is called to be a missionary. Now, I want us to hang out in, uh, in two references to the Great Commission for a minute before we kind of move on in, into the service, uh, into the message. But in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and that's the kind of traditional uh, text that we view as being the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus came and said to them, to his disciples, all authority in heaven on earth has been given me. Uh, and, and that's also authority over our lives still yet. Uh, in other words, we as his followers ought to respond to what he's about to say. He, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, they're going to leave that on the screen for a minute because I want to kind of unpack some of the components of the Great Commission that, that we can see there, some elements of the Great Commission. Uh, first of all, he says, go therefore. I mean, that really implies there's something for us to do, doesn't it? That there's more for us to do as Christians than just sit because he gives us the word to go. Go therefore in light of him having all authority. Go therefore in light of this commission that he's about to give us. There's, there's activity involved in you and I fulfilling the great commission of you and I viewing ourselves as missionaries on a day-to-day basis. But then he tells us, make disciples of all nations. And I think a lot of times we make the error of you and disciples uh, or making disciples is this. Uh, all right, we, we lead somebody to Jesus and now they know Jesus as their savior, they're good to go. And that's not what we're called to do. We are called to reach them with the gospel. We are called to evangelize. But he says, make disciples. There's more involved in that than this just leading someone to Jesus and then leaving them alone. There's more involved in that for us to make disciples out of them. He says, make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, baptizing them, identifying them with him. And then he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So we're called to go, we're called to, to teach people things, to reach them, to make disciples of them. But he says, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And that's one of the main components I want you to get out of the Great Commission, which simply tells us this. If he's with us, that means we can do what he's called us to do. Amen? If he's with us, then we can carry out the Great Commission. If he's with us, we can answer the call to what he has placed upon our lives for you and I to be uh, individual uh, missionaries. Now, there's, a, there's also a second instance of the Great Commission that a lot of times people don't read and focus on that much, but it's found in Mark chapter 16. And it said, afterward, he, referring to Jesus, appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief. So here's the disciples and Jesus comes and he's kind of getting on to them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. 
Then he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. I'll keep reading in just a moment, but stop there for a second. Kind of interesting, he said, uh, to proclaim it to the whole creation. And I think the intent of that is probably this, because we're even told in Romans chapter 8 that along with us one day, all of creation is going to be delivered. You see, all of creation, not just the human race, all of creation fell underneath the fall. When, when sin hit underneath the curse. And, and one day, all of creation will be alleviated from that. So maybe that's what he has in mind. But I thought of a more practical application of that this week while I was studying. And that is this. You see, a lot of times people make an excuse. I don't really know how to talk to somebody about Jesus. I don't really know how to share my faith. Well, Jesus said, go and proclaim it to all creation. Go out in your yard and talk to a tree. Start getting used to sharing the gospel with somebody. If you've got a dog, as you pet your dog, tell your dog how to come to Jesus and everything. Because it's just giving you practice and practice the more you do it. And then when you have opportunities to share the gospel with others, you'll be more prepared uh, to do so. Uh, but, But he said, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And then I want you to really focus on this part of whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, let me point something out real quickly there before I kind of apply it and ask you a question. But he said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. You don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. You're supposed to be because it's obedient for you to do so, and it's you showing publicly that you've received Christ as your Savior. But he doesn't say, but whoever does not believe and is baptized, he just says, whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, now I want to ask you a question about that. Do you believe what that verse says? Do you honestly believe it? Or or I don't know what he just asked me. Do you believe what that verse said? If we really believe, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. If we really believe that, that that changes people's destiny. If we really believe that those who do not believe will be condemned. That ought to radically change the way we live our lives. If we really believe that, I'm not saying you believe it here. I'm saying if you believe that enough that you recognize people that you rub shoulders with on a day-in and day-out basis, people that you come in contact with, they either know Christ or they don't know Christ. And if they do not know Christ, they are condemned. If we really, really believe that, that ought to transform the way we view our lives to where we understand that we're on mission for Christ wherever we are. You're on mission for him wherever you find yourself. You need to be looking for opportunities to reach people because it clearly tells us that people who do not believe will be condemned. Now, a couple more things about the Great Commission before we move forward. One is simply this. The Great Commission is not for a select few. It's not for a select few. It's for every child of God. It's for everyone who knows Christ as their Savior. It wasn't just for those 11 disciples that he first gave it to. It is not just for people who, quote, professionally serve in the gospel ministry as being a pastor or associate pastor or worship pastor or missionary or whatever the case is. It's not just for a select few. It's for every Christian to view themselves every day as being on a missionary journey wherever God has placed them. You see, we we need to decide 
yes. And when we do so, what we're really doing is this. We're joining God on his mission because it's his mission. It's not ours. When we dare to join him and become everyday missionaries, because that's what he has called us to. Second thing about the Great Commission I want us to focus on before we move on is simply this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your life has a mission. You, you, you don't have an out to say, well, I don't really have a mission. Because the Bible clearly tells us if you know Christ as your Savior, you do have a mission. Now, there are all kinds of scriptures I could read, but I want you to notice here in Ephesians 3, verse 20 through 21. It says, now to him who's able, talking about Christ, to him who's able, referring to God, to do far more abundantly than, than all that we can ask or think. Now, now probably everyone here, if, if you're a Christian, you would say that's true. Do you believe that God can do abundantly beyond anything you can ask or think or even imagine? Now, we tend to accept that part of it. Keep reading. He, he says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Do you see that? He can do all things, but he wants to do it through our lives. He wants to take our lives, as I mentioned in the introduction to the message, and use our lives as leverage for his glory in the world that we live in. He, he wants to use his power at work within us. It says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. When, when, Paul, or when Paul wrote this to the believers at Ephesus, he was writing to that generation then, and he was saying that to, to him, to God be glory, to Christ be glory, to God be glory in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. He wanted God to be glorified in that day in Ephesus. But since it says throughout all generations, that also means this. His intent is for God to be glorified in this generation, in the generations that follow us, in the generations that have preceded us. It's his will that God will be glorified through our lives. And that's why we need to understand that if we're a follower of Christ, we actually have a mission for us to be involved with. God wants to do all this that's beyond what we can even think in us and, and through us. But it's about him and it's not about us. Everything we do, we need to do for his glory. Everything we do, whether it be our jobs, our parenting, our life's mission should be done with the intent of bringing glory to his name. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. Watch this video for a moment. One, two, three, go. Oh, yeah. There you go. That is metal worthy. This was the best back two and a half or two and a half twist at 3.6. Oh. Yeah. 
And Ted, they accomplished everything they set out to do tonight, not just making the Olympic team, but putting together a complete set. And now, Steele Johnson, you are going to the Olympics. We see the emotion. Describe what's going through your mind. Uh, I've been working for the stream for a long time, and it's honestly, I never thought like the day would come, and I feel like I just blinked. Now I'm on the 2016 Olympic team, but it's cool because this is exciting, this is fun, but like this is not where my identity is going to be in the rest of my life. Yeah, I'm Steele Johnson, the Olympian, but at the same time, I'm here to love and serve Christ. My identity is rooted in Christ and not in the flips we're doing, um, but it's all here, and it's... I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> that video is of a, a, a team of young men uh, making the Olympics at the Olympic trials. Uh, if we had played more of the video, we didn't. For time's sake, the, the other man who was with him, not quite as young, he's been doing diving for a while, is also a very strong Christian. But did you hear what this young man said? He had just made the U.S. Olympics. And they were asking him how you feel about all this. And he was talking about, all, you know, all this is great, it's fun, but that's not who I am. He said, my identity is in Christ. And that's the way we need to view ourselves. Whatever you do, that's not really who you are. You know, whatever you do vocationally, that's not who you are. Your identity of whatever you're doing, if you're a Christian, is this. Your identity is in Christ, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And that means that you're supposed to look at your life and all the opportunities that you have. Go back to what it said in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. We need to be identifying ourselves in that way to where we're on mission for Christ, wherever we are. We need to be living for God's glory and joining God in his mission. And it's not about doing this. Because I think this is what frustrates us a lot of times. You hear a sermon like I'm bringing today and you start thinking to yourself, I am so busy, how in the world can I add in doing more at church? Or trying to go out and serve Christ like I'm a missionary. Here's the way it works. You're not adding something else into your chaotic life. What you're doing is this, you're intersecting the gospel with your chaotic life. As you live, wherever you live, whatever you do, You're doing it for Christ's glory. You're doing it with opportunities to serve him. Some of you may have received an email uh, already, and some of you may not maybe be on our email list for some reason. So if you have not received an email, uh, what we are asking you to do is this. If you'd respond to the email, or if you'd look on the back of the updates if you didn't receive the email, and you can email it to me, we want you to send us a little story about how you view your life, that you have been on mission for Christ in some way. Doesn't have to be like some are getting ready to do, go to Guatemala. It, you know, especially we'd like to hear how you view yourself being on mission each and every day of your life. Things that you look for, things that you've been doing. And if you'll send us those stories, we're going to include those in the message on the 17th. Uh, the week right before we, we leave to go on the, the mission trip. So try and respond to that and, and let us know. I want to give you another way real quick, and I forgot to do this in the early service, but uh, where I'm involved in the church planning team for the Baptist State Convention in North Carolina uh, over what they call the Hickory Metro area, uh, we were having a meeting over the pockets of lostness that you've heard me refer to. And I want to give you a, a website. It's not on the screen. I, I just kind of forgot to do that. But if you want to jot it down real quickly, uh, the, the website is www.pray.com. Four, the number four, you don't spell it out, 
PrayForEveryHome.org. Pray for, the number four, everyhome.org. It's an amazing website. You want to know what you can do when you go to that website? You can put your address in. You can find out the names of all the people in your neighborhood. And you can begin to pray for those. And pray over their lives and pray over their homes. And the reason that's very strategic to do that, that, that's the first step we're going to take in the Caldwell Association about Pocket of Lostness 84. We're going to start doing some prayer walking, and we're going to have some meetings of the churches together that's in this Pocket of Lostness and do some prayer walk training. And then we're going to start getting together, not just us, but us with the other churches, and go do some prayer walking. And here's why that's significant. One, we need to pray over the community. Two, the more we pray, the bigger burden we get. To, to where we recognize there's something that we need to be doing to impact their lives. So if, you, if you'll go to that website, that gives you an instant opportunity to be a missionary, if nothing else, from the standpoint of praying, because you can see the names of everyone in your community. You can put in addresses of the community beside you, and you can see the names of the people that live there. And you can begin praying over their names. And that's the way we need to fulfill you and I being missionaries uh, on a day-to-day basis is that we just intersect the gospel. We intersect the gospel intentionally in our everyday routines. God drives the mission. It's his mission, not ours. God issues the call and he's done so. He's issued the call for us to be on mission. That's why we need to decide yes. You can decide yes. You can pack your life up to serve him and be a missionary right where you are. You don't have to go overseas in order to serve him to be a missionary. Third aspect of this uh, thing of the Great Commission, before we move on, is, uh, is this. There's uh, common misconceptions that people can have, that churches can have, that will create weak gospel foundations that will also lead to weak, fragile mission practices in our lives and in churches. Uh, I've been a pastor about 33 years now, and then I started out with a little country church, and I could see early on in the life of that church why they had a weak mission mindset because they had some, uh, they had some fragile misconceptions. And here's some misconceptions that we need to be aware of. One, ministry is not meant just for paid professionals. I've kind of already addressed that a little bit in the message. It's not just for paid professionals, but it's for every Christian. We've all been called to make disciples, not just pastors, not just missionaries. We've all been called to make disciples. Number two... Growing in knowledge about God through books, seminars, sermons, etc. doesn't equate to actual ministry or living on mission with God unless we're using what we learn for ministry and for conversations with non-believers. Well, what that is saying is simply this. You, you can read all you want to about evangelism until you practice it. It doesn't matter what you know. You can come to church and hear thousands of sermons, but unless we walk out the doors from this place and try to apply what we receive, either in a sermon or a Sunday school class or a Bible study class or a small group, unless we carry that out and apply it in our lives, we're, we're missing the boat. We're not being the missionaries that God calls us to if all we're doing is just studying about it. And we're not applying it to our lives. Third, third misconception that we need to deal with is this. Church lingo. You see, we, we can get adjusted to church language, to church lingo. Without understanding, there's an application or a biblical expectation for missions. A lot of people can dig into the gospel but never apply it. They, they eagerly engage maybe in, in, in studying about missions and ministry, but they don't get involved with it. 
or if they do get involved with it, they do so in a superficial way because they, they make it only a social gospel failing to recognize or address the lostness of people. Missions are so others can come to know Christ, so they can be redeemed by faith in Jesus and his cross. Helping others without the gospel is doing nothing more than some secular civic groups or social services might perform. Such ministry is temporary instead of eternal. Well, what I'm saying there in that paragraph that I typed is, is simply this. If we, if we love people just for loving them, not to open the door to where we can share the gospel with them, we're missing the point. If we do ministry for people, if we provide things that they need, and we're to do that. I mean, we're told over and over again in the Bible, we're to meet needs of people, not just say, go and be warm and go and be filled. We're to meet needs of people. But if we only do that without recognizing that's to give us an opportunity to share the gospel with someone, we've missed the point. All we've done is minister to them in a temporary way. They can still die lost without Jesus and be separated from God for all eternity. That's nothing better than what a civic group or social services might do. We're called upon as the church, yes, to love people, yes, to minister to people, but so we can open their heart to share the gospel with them. It's like we're earning a right, we're earning integrity by the way we reach people, by, by the way we minister to people, by the way we treat people to have the chance to share the gospel with them. And if we don't recognize that, we're going to have a weak foundation when it comes to understanding really what missions ought to really be about because our goal as everyday missionaries is to introduce people to jesus and to disciple them to become more like christ see god loves in in reaching a broken world to take broken things and redeem them and make them new and we'll talk more about that in a few minutes and god invites us to follow him into trying to help a broken world second reason why we need to decide to be missionaries every day of our life is because of our current circumstances because of the current circumstances in the world that we live in look at what's said in second timothy but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty where people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to parents brutal, not loving of God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit power. Now, they're going to leave that on the screen, but I want you to think through it as I talk about it just for a moment. Look at everything you said there and tell me if that does not give you a picture of our current culture that we live in. And without giving us a picture of the culture that we live in today, with all of those things being true, and there are people who have the appearance of God, they must have appearance of being religious, but they, they're denying the power of God in their lives. And they're not serving God as they should. They're not actively being involved in the mission that he's called us to. If we look at that description in comparison with our modern day culture, we might not like the answers, but I'm afraid we see probably all of those things, and that's a sign of last days. So because of our current condition, the current circumstances in our world, in our land, in our nation, in our communities, that should motivate you and I to decide yes to being on mission for Christ because of our current circumstances. We need to wake up and understand that we've got a mission field all around us, and it's the mission field of America. For years and years and years, America 
has been like the main source of sending missionaries out in the world. We were like the center hub of what God was using to impact lostness in the world. But more and more that is changing to where now, see if it be in America, it might be Asia. Or it might be Central America or it can be other, other parts of the world where, to where the gospel is, is being proliferated a whole lot more than it is in, in our nation today. We need to recognize that we've got a mission field all around us. You don't have to go to Guatemala. Thank God we can. Thank God there are people going. I'm looking forward. It's my first opportunity to go there. But you don't have to do that to be on mission. You don't have to go to Africa. Lynn led a group a few years ago to Africa. And thank God, you know, that happened and everything. But you don't have to go to Africa to be on mission. We're getting more and more to where we have an increasing opportunity in our own land to recognize the lostness in America. I want you to look at this stat. Of America's almost 324 million people. And I, I looked it up online to see how the stats were going and and, uh, and everything on that, but uh, that's close to what it is. It, it goes up and down. You can go to a website and even look at it and see it change. But of America's 324 million people, evangelicals account for about 22 to 28 million. That means 93% are non-evangelical. that burden your heart that bother you just a little bit that doesn't mean all those are necessarily people that don't go to church they may go to church but it can be a non-evangelical church a church that's not proclaiming the gospel a church that's not based around the gospel and while some individual churches are growing and we see some of the mega churches and things like that that have popped up the evangelical numbers in America as a whole are shrinking. And it's shrinking while at the same time we've got a second baby boom taking place. That looks like it may even be bigger than the first baby boom. So it's not like we don't have opportunity. It's not like there's not a lot of people out there that we need to share with. It's increasingly more and more people are being born, but less and less people are being impacted by the gospel. And because of our current circumstances, we need to wake up and recognize God wants to use our lives, as I've said a couple times earlier, as leverage for his glory in the culture that we live in. There are entire cities that used to be vibrant, gospel-transformed places, and now they're spiritually boarded-up wastelands that are far from Jesus. It seems like to me more and more in our own, in our own nation, the, the federal government seems to be more and more supportive of non-Christian religions while at the same time oppressing the Christian faith. That's the world that we live in today. And that ought to motivate us more and more to see that we're to be missionaries on call day in and day out of our lives. You've heard me say this before. We will not change the United States of America and turn America around with an election. But we can turn it around with the gospel. And we can't turn around if every Christian will start to view themselves as someone that is on mission for God. Now, recognize me giving you those numbers can be depressing. You know, those declining numbers and everything. But I want to remind you of something. God is still God. Amen? Irregardless of what the circumstances were, man, that was weak. God is still God. Amen? You really believe that? He's not dead. He's still on his throne. And he can change the circumstances. 
To give you an illustration of that, I want to tell you a story. They'll have the scriptures on the screen. I'm not going to take time to read the scriptures. But there's a story in Ezekiel. And God took Ezekiel and gave him this vision, took him out to a valley that was filled with dry bones. And he even told Ezekiel to walk around. I want you to look at all the dry bones that are there. And then God makes a very strange request to Ezekiel. He said, I want you to prophesy, which really means this. I want you to preach to the dry bones. And he began preaching to those dry bones. By the way, there are people that stand and preach to dry bones every Sunday in America. I'm not saying here necessarily, but I'm telling you, there are a lot of dry bones that get preached to in America. And the same God that does a miracle here in this vision that Ezekiel has is the same God that can still do a miracle and still change our nation. Because as he preaches to those dry bones, all of a sudden the muscles and the sinews and everything start to grow back upon those dry bones. And then God calls for the breath to come into them. And the Bible tells us all of those dry bones stand up and they are a mighty army. That's a challenge that we need to listen to. Maybe you feel like your life is dry. The reason for that may be this. You're not living your life on mission for Christ. If you think you're going to get fulfillment that you need in your Christian life, showing up at church every Sunday or every once in a while, that's why you have a weak life and you feel like you have a dry life. You, you need to come to church and go out and live church out in the world. You you need to go out and be a missionary on mission wherever you are every day of your life. That's how you'll start to find fulfillment. That's how those dry bones will start to change. And if all the church would do that, if all the church, not just day three, but all the church, if we would start to live our lives on mission wherever we are, those dry bones can stand up and be a mighty army and affect the change that needs to take place in our culture. Because God is still God and he can still accomplish those things if we will just allow him to breathe life into us and us take that life that he gives us and use it to impact the world around us. Third thing I want you to get today is this. We need to decide to be on mission. We're asking the question, why? Simply because it's God's will. I know that that sounds oversimplified, But I'm afraid we live in a time that sometimes just hearing God say something and knowing it's his will doesn't seem to be enough for people. And that's why I wanted to close the message out kind of focusing upon that thought. Yes, we ought to view ourselves as being missionaries on call in service to Christ every day of our lives, wherever we find ourselves. We ought to do it because every Christian is expected, based upon the Great Commission, every Christian is expected to be a missionary. We ought to do it because of the motivation we should have, because of our current condition in our land, in our world that we live in, that we just looked at and talked about. That should motivate us. But as Christians, we ought to be simply motivated because God said to do it. We live in a time that people want to use their own logic. We live in a time that we can people will read something and say, well, I know God said that, but... And see, we need to get away from that because if God said it, there's not a but. If God said it, it's not open for our rationale. If God said it, if he clearly calls us to be on mission for him, then that's what we're supposed to respond to and view our lives as being on mission for him wherever we find ourselves. Simply because God said it. 
You've heard me allude to this before, but I, it's comical to me. Sometimes churches will put on signs out in front of the church. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And every time I ride by a church and I see that, I will think to myself, God said it, that settles it whether you believe it or not. It's not based upon whether you believe it, uh, the validity of what God said. If God said it, it's always true. If God said it, it's still true. And God calls us to decide yes and to be on mission with him. And, and we need to respond to that call. I want to give you two main things, uh, two sub points to this. And then I'm going to kind of cover some cultural things right here at the end. And then we'll, we'll close. I want you to recognize what God has always been about in the, in the biblical narrative, in the story of the Bible. God has always been about forming a gospel-driven people to create a gospel-impacted world. That's what he's always been about. When, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, chose sin, in the story of the fall, God didn't just throw up his hands. God killed two animals that gave a type and a picture of the fact that Jesus would come. God even gave a prophecy that Jesus would come and he would crush the, the head of the serpent. But what had taken place? From there, the story goes forward. Talk about Abraham just for a minute. We've talked about Abraham for seven weeks building up the Father's Day. But God called Abraham to make a mighty nation out of him in order that the gospel might come into being and go forth. We read this as we were studying Abraham. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 tells us this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred. Go to your father's house in the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, if you were here for that series, you understand the fulfillment of that. The fulfillment of that, all the nations of all the world being blessed, comes through Jesus Christ being born. Because Jesus comes through that same lineage of Abraham. And God, even in calling Abraham to himself, was wanting to create a gospel-impacting people, a gospel-influenced people, to where they would go out into the world and impact the gospel. And he's still about that. Because, you see, if you know Christ as your Savior, you're still part of that same spiritual lineage. And God wants to use your life and my life in the life of all believers in order that we might impact the lost world around us. Throughout the Bible, God uses ordinary people to follow him and be on mission. Your excuse and my excuse sometimes is this. Well, man, I'm not a Moses or, or I'm not a King David or, or, or I'm not a Paul. Well, you know, be honest with what the Bible says and read the full story. Moses was a murderer, right? And yet even though he committed murder, God raised him up and used him to lead the people out of bondage. King David was so insignificant, evidently, that his family left him at home. They've been told by, by, by Samuel to, to come up because they're going to choose a new king. 
And and they brought all of the sons except David, thinking, well, surely it must be one of these because look at their, their body. Look how strong they are, how tall they are. It must be one of those, but it wasn't one of those. It was a little insignificant shepherd boy writing songs that had been left behind to keep the sheep, and they sent after him, and he was the one that would be the next king. Everyone else thought he was insignificant except God. And by the way, a reminder of David's story. He committed adultery that led to him committing murder, but he still was a man after God's own heart because God saw the whole story. He came to repentance. Jesus is born through the bloodline of David. The Apostle Paul, who God used to write more of the New Testament than anyone else. He was a legalistic Jew who hated Christians. It was helping to round Christians up so they could be taken and be abused and murdered, crucified in prison, things like that. And yet God saw in Saul the Apostle Paul. You see, don't try and sell yourself short. Because God takes glory into taking broken, insignificant things and using them because that brings glory to Him. Because people can look at your life and say, how in the world can they serve God like that? And the glory goes to God, not to you. When they see God use you in amazing ways, it's always been God's will that we be on mission for Him. God rescued us from sin. And he transformed our lives. As a result of that, we ought to be compelled to decide yes and to be right where God is, doing what God wants us to do, right in the middle of rescue missions. You see, think about it like this. God sent a rescue mission for you. As a result of that, we need to be involved in God's rescue mission. Look at what we find here. In 2 Corinthians. And I added in the, 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 red, the red text and everything. I, I, I joked with my kids when I was younger and they saw me writing in the Bible once. I said, well, whenever God tells me to add something to the Bible, I just add it. And I'm joking. I'm seriously joking. Don't go away and say that. I was... But I wanted to put some points in here to make it clear for us in light of today's, the context of today's message. Therefore, if if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That includes you being a new creation to be a missionary on call for him. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That includes now you being a new person, you're a missionary for him, wherever you find yourself. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. God rescued us. He reconciled us to himself. And he's now, after rescuing us, after reconciling us, he has given us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So God rescued us, and guess what? He's given us a rescue mission. Because God rescued us with his rescue mission, we're to be on board with him serving as a missionary with him wherever we find ourselves. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. See, if you're a child of God, you have something to tell someone about. You have a ministry to be involved with because he has entrusted to us 
this message of reconciliation. He's given us a message to share. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Your new identity, kind of like the young man on the diving team. He said, all this is nice and fun, but that's not who I am. My identity is in Christ. The moment you become a Christian, you're given a brand new identity. You're to be an ambassador for him. God making his appeal through us, giving us a purpose in our lives. God wants to use our lives, as I said two or three times in the message, as leverage for his glory in the culture and the world that we live in. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the message that we have to give others. For our sake, he, Jesus, or God rather, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. What else higher motivation could we have to be missionaries on call each and every day of our lives, viewing ourselves as being on mission for him, than to understand that last truth that God made his son sin for us so that in him we might be the righteousness of God because he did that for us we need to reach out to others with that same rescue mission that he rescued us with. We need to decide yes to be on mission for him. Deciding yes matters. Preparing for God's mission matters. Living your life daily on mission matters. Regrettably, we live in a culture that is dictating the cultural norms. In other words, Hollywood and other things about, about our culture, they're dictating to this generation what is normal. But what they are communicating is not what is normal from God's viewpoint. To give you an example of some of that, Let me just kind of walk through some things quickly. We won't read the scriptures. You can read them later. Our culture tells us to be first. God says the last will be first and the first will be last. Our culture tells us to step over others to exalt yourself. God says humble yourself to be exalted. Our culture says do whatever makes you look best more significant, more important, in the limelight. God says, take the worst seat at the table instead of the best. Culture says your life is what's most important. God says, consider others better than yourself. Culture says, always get or do what you want. God says, die to your own desires. Culture says, take care of yourself first and foremost. God says, whoever loses his life will find it. Culture says, maybe forgive, but don't forget. God says, love and pray for your enemies. Culture says, have nothing to do with those who are against you. God says, bless those who persecute you. Culture says, no one tells you what to do. God says, go further than what you're asked. Go the extra mile. Go one step further. You see the challenges before us? The cultural norms are in direct opposition to God's economy, to God's norms. And that's why it's really strategically important that every child of God, every believer, not just people going off on mission trips, but all of us, every day of our lives, 
We need to be preparing for a mission because we, we need to allow God through our lives to transform our culture. We need to allow God to use us, as I've said, and as leverage for His glory. We need to decide yes for Him and be on mission for Him. That's, that's what we've talked about today. Why? Why we should do those things. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for being so tied up in our lives and living our lives day in and day out without allowing your gospel to intersect our walk in the lives that we live. Change our mentality. Help us to change our viewpoint of what missions and missionaries are. To help us see that you've called us to be on mission wherever we find ourselves. Each and every day of our lives, you called us to be your missionaries on mission view where we work where we shop, where we go to school, where we play. God, you've you've called us to be on mission for you. Help us today to begin to change that mindset. Help us today to begin to open our lives up more for you to use us for your glory so that our culture might be changed for your glory. Father, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that right now you'd speak to them and help them to see the first step toward them being on mission for you is to come to know you as their personal Savior. Father, speak to those of us that already know you, but those of us that's probably most of us and many of us, that we're falling short of being the missionaries you've called us to be. We're falling short of living our lives for your glory as we should. We're falling short of deciding yes to be on mission for you. Father, help us as believers to make decisions today to be on mission for you wherever we find ourselves. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In the prayer, I already included the invitation. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, the first step to you trying to be on mission for God and do something significant and fulfilling in your life is to first of all give your life to Jesus. And we encourage you to do that during this time of invitation. And for us as believers, I doubt if any of us would say, Man, I've decided yes to the fullest degree, and I'm already, I'm already fulfilling being a missionary day in and day out as best as I can. I doubt if any of us can say that. Maybe a good time for some of us, either where you're seated or even come kneeling and praying, do this invitation to pray and say, God, help me to change the way I view my life. Help me to view my life as being on mission for you wherever I am. I invite you to stand. God speaks to your heart. We invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.